one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poe. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 on everybody you're listening to another phillies nation podcast the first podcast in months that we get to talk about baseball after baseball has been played now obviously it's only spring training these games don't matter only one has been televised and you know the the best players on the team the best pitchers are only pitching two innings and the best hitters you know bryce harper and reese hoskins they haven't even gotten any plate appearances but it's still baseball and it's it's a beautiful thing and it's back so um, it's very exciting. Uh, this week, I am joined by Destiny Legardo uh, from Phillies Nation. Destiny, how you doing? Yeah, I agree with you. I am not in the mood to go over three spring training games, two of them <laughs> on the radio, one of them not even on radio, and then one on TV. So a lot of people have fun going over, you know, how many at-bats Matt Joyce got and his home run or, or whatever. So A guy that probably won't even be on the team, but... Not today. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I agree. You know, maybe some people want to hear us talk about the two innings that Aaron Nola pitched or, you know, whatever. But I don't want to talk I, about I will make it broad conclusions about the way his curveball looks. And then it, two pitches later, he gets Right, exactly. Shown. Destiny tweeted that his curveball looked great. And then he gave up a home run on a hanging curveball. So I love spring training. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. But there's, listen, too, like, and we're tonight we're, we're really on this episode we're really going to talk about um everyone's Philly sick so so some who uh tweeted in response to me a, a couple days ago and then some just that destiny and i have because that's maybe honestly i think my favorite part about this time of the year is is everyone everyone has their opinions on what's going to happen what they think might go wrong or might go right um that people don't expect and that's really fun and I know we're still a few weeks out from op- from opening day, but I think right now is a great time to to talk about that stuff. And I think you know we watch, like every year, we watch Vince Velasquez dominate in spring training, and, and some people, myself included, have talked themselves into Vince Velasquez from that. So, you know, trust but, me, Johnny, I will not be fooled this year. I could, <laughs> I could admit that I was one of those people who was really, really on Vince Velasquez last year. I was just so enamored with the cutter and I was there in summer camp. So I had a few outings and, and saw him <laughs> and saw how good he was. And I was immediately down on Zach Eflin cause he had that back injury, but look at how wrong I was. So yeah. it's just goes to matter that our spring training takes don't matter at all. They don't matter at all, but they're really fun because you know what we can do in six months is you know, you can go back and listen to that this episode and say, wow, Johnny thought this. And then, you know, you can screen record it and roast me on Twitter. And I welcome that. You can do the same to Destiny. Like, that's what. That's yeah, what, it doesn't matter. It's, it's fun. So um, let's dive into it. Uh, I, I mentioned, like, I, I tweeted a few days ago just how it was obviously exciting that baseball is going to start and asked if anyone had any bold Philly stakes. So, I, you know, obviously got. A lot of great responses, but just a few that we are gonna touch on right now. Um, this first one comes from Mike. He says, "Dirty Mike, actually." Yeah. Well, Mike says, "I'll go out on a limb and say 
Phillies finished a very mediocre season in third place with an average offense and a less than competent bullpen. Now, um, you know, you, you might assume, and you'd be correct in assuming that most of the responses I, I, I got were po- positive because, again, people talk themselves into everything this time of year. This is not a positive outlook, and I appreciate it because, you know what? I think the Phillies could make the playoffs this year. I also think this could happen. Um, not, I think the, the aspect of it that I disagree with, like what would have to go wrong for the Phillies to ha- only have an average offense? I don't, I, I mean, Destiny, what do you think? Like, h- how does that happen? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I guess what can go wrong is injuries. You know, they've yeah. been pretty, except for, the last couple weeks of last year, they've been pretty lucky with injuries. If they have Dede Gregorius, Andrew McCutcheon, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Alec Boehm, Gene Segura, like that's seven hitters right there that I'm talking about that could really do some damage. If they're, if they're hitting consistently, like it's a top 10 offense. So it really has to be Bryce Harper getting injured in the second month of the season, losing the whole season of, you know, Bryce Harper's prime. That'll be really disastrous for this team. The same happening to Reese Hoskins, the same happening to Jake. Like, it, it just really, it, it comes down to just something really drastic happening that I don't see happening. At the very least, you could take comfort in the fact that this offense will probably, at the very least, be above average. You can also take comfort in the fact that if anybody gets injured, other than, I would say, Didi Gregorius and Gene Segura and whoever's playing center field, and J.C. Romito, of course, if any other position player gets injured, all you have to do is say, Brad Miller, you're playing every day. So not that the Phillies are like a deep team because they aren't, but uh, I think adding Brad Miller was really important in that sense that he he has, you know, like, like you've mentioned on the pod before, he was the cleanup hitter for a playoff team last year. Um, so he can he can carry that weight in some in in some respects. Obviously, he's not going to step in and, and be Bryce Harper, but. Uh, I think it is important that they have that that depth piece. Um, another another side to this tweet is, is the less than competent bullpen. I think that's important to point out because I think any Phillies fan would take an improvement over last year. And I don't like. I guess it's hard to say. It's so hard because we're used to the worst bullpen in history that. How does like how does this bullpen actually compare to average major league bullpens? I don't know. I would say it's probably a little bit below average. I think I think they've done a really good job. I think it actually could be a good bullpen, but I don't know. Maybe it's not. Like Destiny, do you have any any uh, takes on how the the bullpen actually stacks up versus how it stacks up to what was an awful awful bullpen last year? I mentioned this in my twenty six man roster projection. The bullpen is actually. 14th projected to be 14th and f4 by fan graphs and take that for what it is but at the at best it could be an average bullpen and I really think Phillies fans will take that in a heartbeat because we kind of look at what that bullpen was last year and say like the same thing is what's going to happen by default just because it was so hard to just see every single arm come out and just completely blow the game so they made so many improvements I think They'll at the very least have a competent bullpen. Archie Bradley is a pretty good closer. Hector Neeris, if you slide him in the setup role, I think he's fine. And I think he's even fine for a closer. Jose Alvarado, he could be a high leverage arm. They really like Connor Brogdon. 
Joe Girardi did say that he could be a closer one day. Maybe he could be a closer at some point this season. And this is something else that I mentioned in my piece. They have so many guys that you could take a look at and say, I'm comfortable having him pitching in the seventh inning in a one-run game with two outs and the bases loaded. And you couldn't say that about Dioli Scarra, um, Reggie McLean, Ramon Rosso when it was his first outing. Austin Davis. Austin Davis, who somehow the Phillies got a a guy that could actually <laughs> – they got a prospect for him. Yeah. So that, that was just one weird thing from from 2020. That's really random. Um, who else am I missing? Tommy Hunter was actually good. Um, Blake yeah, Parker like good. Blake Parker was good. But, yeah. yeah, there was just a lot of guys that were in situations that they shouldn't have been in, and that's a big reason why the bullpen was so bad and – Joe Girardi has to like what he has at the very least, and they could make some upgrades at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Joe Girardi was using uh, Jojo Romero like in high leverage situa- situations at the end of the season, and now Jojo Romero might, you know, based on at least your roster projection, I think he's probably the worst reliever on the roster, and that's I think that's a, a pretty good thing to have. Yeah. Um. So the next one, next tweet comes from your boy. That's his, his Twitter <laughs> to your name. I don't know what else to what else to say here. Uh, so he has a couple here, and like some of this stuff is gonna probably be a little repetitive when we um, talk about some of our takes, but um, we'll just go through them. Eflin leads the team in wins. Um, Alec Bohm taps into his power. Adam Hazley becomes everyday center fielder. I don't want to talk about the first two now because. I think both of us are probably going to touch on them later, or at least they'll be touched on in in other people's takes. Uh, Adam Hazley becoming the everyday center fielder is interesting to me. I personally don't see it. I don't think after watching him last year that he is an adequate defensive center fielder. And when you look at the position, um, it's obviously like defense is very important. And just when you look around baseball, a lot of center fielders are not good hitters, but they're at least good defensive center fielders. And Adam Hazley has neither proven that he can be an adequate defensive center fielder, nor has he proven that he could be a good hitter at the major league level. I think he probably projects as a fourth outfielder. So if he starts in center field, I think it probably has more to do with the fact that the Phillies don't have um, – an answer in center field right now, right now, I, I do think it's going to be Scott Kingery, but um, I'm curious as to what you think about Hazley going into 2021, because really, you know, he, he's only played in, um, you know, less than 162 games. He hasn't played a full season. So it's hard to say exactly what he is, but um, based on watching him, I, I, I don't know if we can see more than a, a fourth corner outfielder. Yeah. I know in the sample size that we have for Adam, Hazley, sorry, Adam Hazley, He's only played two-thirds of a season, so it's kind of hard to say, you know, whether he's this everyday player or is he a bust. But, yeah, I, I kind of see the take going around that Adam Hazley should be the everyday center fielder, and it's a no-brainer. And I'm kind of just like, well, Scott Kingery has proven that he could hit at the very least in 2019, and he's a lot of – he was pretty good in center field too. So, yeah, I'm just not sure where the – Adam Easley every everyday center fielder take comes from. Yeah, I mean, who knows? There was there was that that stretch in September of of 2019 where Adam Hazley made like 
four web gems and was a, a solid hitter. I just don't see that sustaining himself. And again, like he's not, he's just not quick enough to, to be a, a, a very good defensive center fielder. And I think that's a really important factor here. Yeah. And I guess before we move on to another take, I know during this time in spring training, there's a lot of stories about guys that had a certain workout plan and they're in the best shape of their life. And Adam Hazley is one of those guys. He spent a whole bunch of money on gym equipment and he's bulking up and he's trying to get that power. But for me, it's it's like I have to see it to believe it. Yeah. I, just, I just don't know if he could be that guy that could consistently hit home runs. And yeah, yeah, I have to be <laughs> sold on him. It is best shape of their life season. But yeah, you can't you can't believe anything. Uh I mean, you can believe that they're in the best best shape of their life, but does that even – who knows what that What does really? it matter, yeah. Like, all right. Uh, the next one comes from Andre. Uh, Bryce Harper wins MVP. Aaron Ola leads the league in the RA. And the Phillies miss play- the playoffs by one game. Uh, I think that this would – like, this could happen. Uh, I do foresee a scenario in which the Phillies finally break through and have, a, like, a really good season and – um, you know, finally finish above 500 and, and win like 90 games. But because the, the rest of the division and the rest of the league is so good, they missed the playoffs barely. Um, and it would, I mean, do you see the, I, I feel like the Bryce Harper MVP season is going to come within the next two or three years. Do you see this year being it? It's interesting how you say that it's going to come in the next couple of years. I really think there's a chance that he could spend, you know, the next 11 years and never win an MVP. I just think the race for National League MVP is so stacked. You have Mookie, you have Bellinger on the same team. Yeah. You got Freddie Freeman, Acuna, Soto, Matisse. like yeah. Matisse, Machado. Yeah. I mean, I, I should clarify by what I mean. I mean, like him, you know, having that caliber season. Um, it looked like last year might be that year and obviously had back problems and, and he, he went through a really rough stretch, but uh, maybe not to the same level that he had in 2015, but just, just an un, unreal season where he, you know, quote unquote, like puts the team on his back. I think we will see one of those years. I just, I would be surprised if we didn't. Yeah, I agree with you. I like going back to my other point. I don't know if it'll translate into an actual MVP award just because there's so many and the names will change as he, as he ages, but there's just so much competition where I, I don't really see Bryce Harper breaking through and being a better hitter than Juan Soto and Freddie Freeman and all these guys. Yeah, that's, that is certainly fair. Um, it, it is, it is very hard to win that award regardless. And, and it's a very talented league right now. Um, and yeah, we'll skip over the, the NOLA thing for now. Cause I know you want to talk about that later. Uh, just a couple more that people submit on Twitter. This comes from Chris. Red October returns. Uh, Brogdon and Bradley are studs in the pen. The balanced lineup hits with DD and Harper leading the way. And a key starting pitcher is acquired at the deadline. So uh, again, with this one, I'm not going to touch on everything. I want to talk a little bit about those bullpen guys later. So I want to focus on a key starting pitcher acquired at the deadline. Uh, I, I talked about this with Jack last week because there was obviously rumors that maybe the Phillies were going to go after Jake Odorizzi. And 
I just I can't wait to see what the first um, Dave Dombrowski move is. And you know, who knows if it comes this year? Maybe the Phillies are are, are in the mix and and they trade for I don't know who it would be, but do you, what do you think the chances are that the, the Phillies make a significant splash? Because in, in terms of trade deadlines, they have n- not made any like significant splashes over the past several years since, you know, their last playoff run. So uh, the, their only big trade obviously was Real Muto and that was in the offseason. Do you see do you see something like that happening this year? Okay, it's really interesting to to think about. And this is, I guess, somewhat related to what you were saying. People are kind of wondering, you know, should they sign Jake Odorizzi now or wait until the deadline and have that financial flexibility? Why not just sign him right now and then not give up prospects at the deadline for someone who's at Jake Odorizzi's caliber? So I don't really, you know, it's it's Dave Dombrowski, so you never really know. I don't really see them making a huge trade at the deadline just because they're very conscious of, their farm system not having a lot of tradable prospects to to deal so yeah I just I don't know and it it also matters you know how close they are to making the playoffs if they're in fourth place it's probably not going to be worthwhile to to trade a few of your prospects who can contribute yeah, I mean, I, I agree in terms of like they've been and even Bryce Harper has been outspoken about like, yeah, we can't really trade prospects. We're, we're pretty thin there right now. And that's certainly fair. But I think what we've seen the last couple off seasons is if you want to get a good player, you don't have to give up that much as long as that as long as that good player is making a decent amount of money, like teams are offloading anyone. Um so, you know, maybe it's, you know, what if it's a Zach, what if the Astros are, are, are playing really poorly and it's a Zach Granke and he's, you know, he's still making a lot of money. I think he has, is he a free agent after this year? He might be a free free agent after this year, actually, but yeah, it's either this year or, or next, next year. year. Um, but regardless, you know, someone like that, who's good and making a lot of money, but uh, is on a bad team, uh, I obviously have to mention Chris Sale because he's a Dombrowski guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that would be smart, but I can't say I, w- I, I couldn't see it happening. So, you know, that is that is really the greatest time of the year. And, and it is, like, like you said, obviously, if you can keep your prospects, you keep them. But it also is definitely fun to see uh, the, the team you follow be part of that mix in the end of July. So something to, to watch, uh, I, I guess. And then one last one last one from Ethan here. Uh, Alec shout out Bohm. to Ethan. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, shout out Ethan. Good, a good uh, Twitter guy for sure. Alec Bohm contends for the batting title. So I'll let you start with this one. What do you think here? Oh, oh why'd you let me start with that one? Um, <laughs> I, I guess my overall take on Alec Bohm is that he doesn't really need to be that stud that everyone thinks he's going to be. I know this is kind of the boring take, but I'm somewhat cautious because that 60 game sample size and he didn't even play close to 60 games is really small. So I don't want to make broad conclusions about what Alec Bohm can be. Now I know he was an amazing hitter. He really knew the strike zone. He was able to hit the ball over the field. He was clutch I know he'll succeed at the big league level and he'll do it as a middle of the order hitter, but um, 
it would be really awesome to see him compete for a batting title. It will be a welcome surprise. And we talked about it earlier. This offense is so stacked that they don't need, well, it would be nice to, you know, make the playoffs. They don't necessarily need Alec Bohm to be competing for a batting title, but um, I would be super surprised if he is. Yeah. I, the thing with Bohm and, and, you know, one of the takes I mentioned earlier, someone, uh, which one it was mentioned that they think that Bohm taps into his power. And I think when you look at where Bohm is now, I see something like this being more likely. I, I see Alec Bohm hitting 325 as a more likely scenario than him hitting 30 home runs in, in 2021. Uh, and that, that's just, again, he, 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 that power is there and he's going to tap into it eventually. I don't see it now. He hit two home runs last year. Um, and when you look at his hitting profile, like you said, he hits the ball all over the field and he hits a ton of line drives. Uh, when you look at guys who is, his, his batting profile is, is similar to, uh, I remember just like doing this on Baseball Savant one night and, and fan graphs and, and playing around. Like Tim Anderson is the guy who always comes up. Listen, Tim Anderson hits like 330. So I would, like you said, it, it's a lot to expect of someone like Boehm who, who has played what 40 games 40-ish games at the major league level to to actually contend for a batting title and he had a little bit of, of you know batting average on balls and play luck last year but his profile fits exactly you know the, the prototype of a guy who contends for the batting title um, a lot of line drives a lot of ground balls um, and you know that like that's what you need so I'm not saying that it's something you should expect but I could see it I think I think you should expect Alec Boehm to lead the lead or lead the team in batting average. That's what I'll say because yeah, that's yeah, a really reasonable take. He's going to be a batting average guy. So that does it for the, the, the Twitter submitted takes, um, which people, by the way, did not know we were going to read on this podcast, but they were read. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you're listening you're like, Hmm, why was my, well, you know, listen, it's out there now. So, all right. Um, Destiny, I'm going to let you start here with, uh, some of the takes you and I have. Um, so yeah, take it away. Yeah. So I guess a caveat to this, I should say that I'm fleshing this out a little bit. So I apologize if this take isn't as strong as I, as I think it is, but I do think the 2020 Phillies bullpen being just completely awful was a very good thing for this team. Um, and I'll say this, the way the team was constructed, they weren't going to do a lot in the playoffs to begin with. They, kind of had this band-aid approach to to share up their bullpen. If you if you're inviting Drew Store and Bud Norris, Anthony Swarzak to a team, then you probably don't want to make the playoffs. And John Middleton kind of kind of thought that this idea was going to work because it worked the previous years when they got Jared Hughes, my guy. Uh they got Nick Vincent, all these all these guys that Any somehow pitched well. Jared Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> it all worked and you guys probably remember that press conference where he pretty much says, like, I don't touch bullpen decisions. Well, he kind of did when he pretty much made Matt Klintak not go over to luxury tax because if they were willing to do that and get a couple bullpen arms, the 2020 season would go a lot differently. Um, so, like I said, they weren't going far in the postseason. So if they snuck in, I really don't think John Middleton would see that there's some major issues with the way Matt Klintak has constructed the roster. Matt Klintak would still be here. And I don't think Middleton would be willing to spend as much as he did. 
I really think that's a product of Dave Dombrowski coming in and trying to convince him that you're a lot closer to winning than you think you are. So you need to spend a little bit of money this offseason. It's a really good idea just because a lot of other teams are not spending money. So you could get a lot of bang for your buck. And that was I, I, I credit Dave Dombrowski for that. And Dave Dombrowski wouldn't be here if the bullpen wasn't so bad. So when you put all that together, maybe it's a good thing that, you know, you sat through 60 games of just you know, some of the worst baseball you've ever seen. Because I, I do think the Phillies are in a, a much better spot to win the World Series than they were a few months ago when, <laughs> you know, I, I think back to that September run where they were winning 10 games in a row and we're like, this team is special if the bullpen can kind of get out of their way, but um, it was, it was just going to be a problem. So, and it, it's really, it was good for the, it was good for them because it really put that in John Middleton's face. Cause if they, if they snuck in and he was able to ignore it, then I, I do think the, the previous regime will still be making decisions and they wouldn't be in a good spot to, to put themselves in a position to win. Yeah. I, so I follow, I follow. I'm. I'm gonna play a little bit devil's advocate. The advocate here only because, like, if the Phillies made the playoffs last year, would would John Middleton not have have thought, oh, we just made the playoffs. Like, this team is pretty good. I'm willing to spend money. I guess. Like, I do agree. The Phillies are definitely under better management now with with, with Dombrowski. But is the is the like. If let's say Clentac stayed, but the Phillies had just made the playoffs, are we sure the, that Middleton wouldn't have still spent what he's spending now? I guess. If yeah, they had, it's a really interesting point because, and we kind of talk about this in our, I guess, our group chat and yeah. <laughs> not really publicly, but, and I guess I'll just say this John Middleton definitely thought about being one of those teams that really cut the budget just because like that was being reported and that was the messaging that we were getting that they were worried about revenue and they were worried about you know how much money they were going to lose that they were really going to say 2021 is a gap year for us and we're going to take a step back to recover from the pandemic and I really think that's what John Middleton intended and then he got a little desperate when he was trying to find his president of baseball operations and Dombrowski was one of the last calls he made and you weren't going to get him if you weren't going to spend money. You weren't going to spend money. And then once you hire him, Dave is like, he evaluated the roster and he was like, look, John, like you have to do something because this, and he said this before on MLB network, I believe you have to do something just because this team is so good. You can't waste their prime. Like, yeah. just, just give me a little more. And Dombrowski throughout his career has been very good at doing that. So I, I do think if Matt Klontak was still the GM, he would not have spent as much money as he did. And in this, you know, the beginning of the offseason when, you know, and you admitted podcasting about this team was so bad just because what they needed to do was really obvious and in front of their faces. They just needed to spend some money and it looked like yeah. they weren't going to do that. And yeah. I, if I really... Um, I really believe that John Middleton just didn't trust Matt Klintak to spend his money anymore. So if he was still in charge, he wouldn't have spent as much money. All right. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I'm going to give one of mine now. Uh, so listen, 
Reese Hoskins. I know a lot of people after after last season understand that he's obviously a very good major league player, but there are still people. I saw someone on Twitter today. Are you ready for this, Destiny? I saw someone on Twitter today say, after someone else made a joke about Andrew Knapp, like why did the Phillies sign Real Muto when they have Knapp? Because Knapp obviously got another you know hit with runners in scoring position because it's Andrew Knapp. I saw someone say. Um, like, why did, the, why did the Philly sign Real Muto to get Nap? And someone responded, well, you know, when Hoskins struggles, they can just put Nap at first base. And it was a serious tweet. It was a serious thing that I saw that Reese Hoskins would struggle to the point that the Phillies could ditch him and put Andrew Nap at first base. And listen, Reese Hoskins is, like, blatantly good. Uh, he, you know, I, I think everyone's perspective got a little twisted when he came into the you know, he got called up and was Babe Ruth for six weeks and hit like what 17 home runs in 34 games or whatever it was. It was just, you know, a torrid pace. But, and I promise that this, this rant is coming to an end soon. Uh, he's good and like he is more Joey Votto like than he is Ryan Howard. He's gonna have an on base percentage near 400. He's going to hit, he's gonna hit 30, 35 home runs for you, but he's not gonna be Ryan Howard. He's not gonna hit 50. I think people might have expected that. From him, and he's also going to be streaky. But I'm getting to my point, or not my point really, but my take for the season. Reese Hoskins is going to lead the team in OPS. He's going to be top five in the majors in OPS. It will be an OPS over 975. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, and he's so important to this team. When he wasn't in the lineup, what were they, six and 14 last year? Something like that. Yeah. But I mean, when he homered, they were seven and one or eight and one. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, Reese Hoskins is going to lead, lead the team in OPS. Yeah, I I don't have much to add because I completely agree with you, and I'm pretty annoyed that other people just don't understand that Reese Hoskins is a good baseball player. And I guess I'll leave it that leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, go ahead. What you got next? Oh, uh, okay. So, and this was kind of so. A couple of days ago, WIP ran a poll and they asked, is Aaron Nola a true ace? And I believe over 50% of people said yes. And then a lot of people said no. And it really horrified we know, me. We know how Pete McCannon voted here, let me say. Yeah. <laughs> he said, where's the, he's a number three uh, like choice on the poll. That's what he wanted to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. And it's, it's kind of strange because, and this is maybe not related, but the question was, is he a true ace? And this idea of a true ace is kind of convoluted, especially in Philadelphia, because Roy Halladay was just the ace of aces. There's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. There's a reason why he'll be remembered for generations. And Aaron Nola is not that guy, but I think a, a true ace is a top 10 pitcher in baseball, and that's what he is. He's actually... Ethan starting pitcher F4 since 2018. Zach yeah. Wheeler is nine. So it yeah. kind of goes to show you how, how much good pitching they have at the top of their rotation. And Aaron Nola is a complete workhorse. He's if you if you look at there's four pitchers who have thrown more than 480 innings since 2018. And they're Jacob deGrom, Aaron Nola, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke. So I mean kind of take that for granted with him. I, I'm Say it again, Jody. I said those are some pretty good, pretty pretty good company right there. Also, also, um, before you keep going, like the, the point you're making about Holiday, it's also 
In 2011, Cole Hamels was the Phillies' number three. Like Cole Hamels probably, especially like 11, 12, 13, he was a top 10 pitcher in baseball, and he was a number three in that rotation. So, like, to your point, like, the, the idea of an ace and how a rotation should work is just, like, definitely twisted in, in the mind of the Philadelphia fan. Yeah, exactly. Like, like there will never be anything quite like the 2011 rotation. It's really depressing to think about that, especially, you know, I'm early 20s, you're early 20s, and the peak of our <laughs> Phillies baseball existence happened when we were really young and we kind of thought this was normal. So, you know, we may never see a pitcher as dominant as Roy Halladay again, but that doesn't mean the other pitchers that come after him are really good. But yeah, I guess this is part of my take. Aaron Nola is a true ace, and I will, I will die on that on that take. And it's something I'm not ashamed to say. I don't know. Do you agree with that, Johnny? Yeah. I, so, like, here's the only thing I will say about Aaron. Obviously, he's a top ten pitcher in baseball. I don't think that can really be argued. Uh, I mean, look at the numbers. Come on. Like, we all know we're we are numbers oriented people here, and and we're more. You are. I don't see. know about me. Well, like the only thing I will say is there we have we live in a world of eye test people too and that's okay everyone enjoy sports the way you want to enjoy sports and i think it does it does matter to people that in september aaron nola hasn't showed up so like i think i think there's there's the is it the cold weather is it like what is it i think it's you know you mentioned how many innings he's pitched you know some it, that's a lot for for anyone and especially when you're, you're still pretty young like to throw 200 plus innings in a season um so you're you're gonna break down a little bit at the end of the season and, and if i were to guess i think that's what's happened in september but like last year he was not great in his last four starts and if they won one of those i think they lost his last three starts and in none of them he was like particularly good and if they won one of them they would have made the playoffs so i think it's, it's things like that that sticks in people's mind when it comes to considering him. Like, is he a true ace? Like, does he show up in the big moments? But, I mean, I don't really care, especially it's, it's a regular season game no matter what. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you have a thought on that. But I, I think that's, like, the biggest reason people might think, like, the opposite way. Yeah, and I understand that. And it's something that I wrote about a few months ago. Um, about his weird Septembers and it's interesting when he's asked about it and he's a guy that would seemingly have the answers to why something is the way it is and he really doesn't know how those struggles come about he really doesn't believe that it has to do with stamina because he's one of those guys that has a reputation for being one of the hardest workers and he can handle that workload but sometimes the September numbers doesn't show that I do think and I should point out that in September of 2020, Aaron Nola had a 2.94 FIP and 3.21 BABIP. So, I so there were a bad couple luck. games where, yeah, there was a lot of bad luck last September, and it, it's a little difficult to compare his September last year to all of the other ones because he just didn't throw that many innings. But I agree with him. I really don't know what's wrong with Aaron Nola in September, but I do think this is the year he figures it out, and that's not necessarily my my big take. On him, I my take on Aaron Nola is that he will have the best season of his career so far in 2021. Um, what I I really liked seeing from him is that he now has this four pitch pitch smitch, and I don't I don't know if he'll you know rely more on his changeup this year and 
he he's not a guy that kind of looks at the numbers and say like I'm aiming to equally distribute the amount of pitches that I throw. I just think he has a feel for all four of his pitches and that's that's not a good sign for anyone who's facing him in the NL East or anywhere else. Um I do think he'll benefit from a lighter workload that he had last year and that could ultimately translate into better results in September because I do think he's especially motivated to be a better pitcher at the end of the year just because he's aware that's his reputation and he wants to go to the playoffs more than anyone else so it's it's really it's a shame that that last game happened because the Rays were so good and he wanted it so bad so it's something that you can't escape from but everything else shows you that he's a true ace and I do think I don't want to say that he'll win the Cy Young just because Jacob DeBrom is just so good and he might come in second. I wouldn't be surprised, but I really do expect a big season from Aaron Nola. Yeah, I mean, uh, the most encouraging thing from last year was that he was striking everyone out. Um, yeah. His, like, he, it, was, it was unreal. I mean, him and Eflin, too, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. But, like, he, he was, I mean, and, and his curveball was probably better than it's, than it's looked before. And uh, I think, the, like, the only thing is his 2018 was so good um, that, like, it's so hard to be even better than that. I wouldn't be shocked if he was, but he was, I mean, he was unreal that year. So I'm obviously excited to see um, how he looks. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's he has a, a good chance, I think, to um, have, have a good year. And, and obviously, like you said, the September stuff is very weird. And it's a, it's kind of a small, like it's a small sample size thing. Like, it's just like one of those dumb things that happens. Like Clayton Kershaw isn't just bad in October. It's just like, you know, dumb luck. And he got over it this year. Exactly. So, so there's hope. last year it's Kershaw. This year it's all who knows. Mm. Um, all right. So my next thing I'm going to go into, and it's something that you have here too. So we can kind of, you know, talk about it together. And it, it, it's like, what is Zach Eflin this year? And, I think if you look at what he was last year and you look at the underlying numbers and everything, um, I don't think he's like an ace level pitcher yet. I don't know. He, I, I think he, he might have um, close to that ceiling, maybe not an ace, but like a top 20 pitcher in, in baseball. Um, but I think he has a really good year. I think he probably has, um, he, he, he continues on having, striking guys out and, and not walking a lot of guys I, I had here. My, my official, my official, what I wrote down was that he finishes was with the best strike to walk strikeout to walk ratio in baseball. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think about, about Eflin this year? Yeah. So my official take, and I don't even know if this is a take, it's more of a suggestion is that if you're a Phillies fan listening right now, you should plan to buy a Zach Eflin Jersey. Part of it is because you'll look pretty cool because nobody else will have a Zach Eflin jersey. And one of my biggest, and this is kind of a, I'm sidetracking here, but I worked at Citizens Bank Park in 2019. And one of my biggest pet peeves was that everyone wore a Bryce Harper jersey. And I was like, come on, guys, have some originality. So um, I do think you guys should get on that hype early. His curveball developed into this elite put away pitch. And I really do think that's a difference maker for him. Um, and another thing I'll say about Zach Eflin is that, and this is another reason why people should go out and buy his jersey, it's because he's probably the most obvious extension candidate on this squad. It's really interesting to see where he is. He debuted at 22, and if he keeps, you know, 
if his success, the, the way he's going, he's become, uh, I'm sorry, he's becoming a free agent at 28. So if it looks like he's developing into this ace level pitcher, he's going to get bang on the free agent market. So I do think the Phillies should engage him right away right now, sign him to an extension. And if you're a Phillies fan, you should go out and they probably don't even sell Zach Eflin jerseys in the team store, which is, which is a shame. You should go out, buy a blank jersey and get that Zach Eflin number 56 on the back. Yeah. I, the, the thing about Eflin that is just wild to me is, is like thinking back to what he looked like. I know, I know his first couple of years um, and he didn't, he didn't pitch full seasons in either of them, but he had like these complete games and it was weird. But he also struck out like four and a half guys per nine innings. Last year he struck out over ten. He's he's a completely different pitcher. He's when he came up he was throwing he was throwing sinkers, but they weren't that hard. They were like ninety two, and they didn't have a ton of movement on them. And he was just locating them well sometimes, and sometimes he wasn't. He was getting destroyed. And now like he is he's hitting ninety five, ninety six, and his his sinker has so much movement, um, and like it's night and day what he was. And, and I think it's always interesting when players kind of take leaps in the mid state, not the mid stage of their career, but when you're 24, 25, it's very hard to do something like that. Um, Aaron Nola kind of did it in, in terms of when he was drafted, his ceiling was, he was viewed as like a number three as a ceiling. And, and he just had better stuff than anyone could have po- or developed better stuff than anyone could have imagined. Um, so I, I think it's intriguing when, when guys do that and, you know, I think Eflin right now, or, or so far in his career, has really just started to tap into what he could be. Um, so, yeah, it, it's like you said, definitely some, someone for Phillies fans to watch and, and maybe to get behind. Really yeah. What, one thing I should also say, and this is more about the jersey thing, I think he's one of those guys that you would be proud to, to wear his name. I know he has a, a really inspiring story. He's been through a lot in his life. And I mean, I don't personally know Zach Eflin. I haven't had like extensive conversations with him, but just from Zoom meetings, he seems like the nicest guy on the team by far. So he's a guy that you could root for, that you could feel proud to to wear his number. And yeah, get on the trend and, and buy a Zach Eflin jersey. I mean, I, I have a couple jerseys and admittedly, like I don't really wear them just because I can't, like I would be kicked out of a zoom if I was seen with a, a jersey on. So um if I were you, I'd I'd buy one. Yeah. I've always been like like generally with sports, we don't this is like a major sidetrack that we don't we don't really have to talk about, but like I've never been much of a jersey guy just because shirts are so much cheaper and yeah, you, know, you can get but that's again up to up to the listener, do whatever you want, whatever you'd wear to the ballpark. Um, all right, we each have a couple more, or we each have one more here. So Destiny, I will let you go first. Yeah, and this is not a strong take, maybe for some people who are really down on this team, but I think they're making the playoffs. My official prediction is that they'll win 90 games. They will get the second wild card spot. They will play the San Diego Padres in San Diego. Zach Eflin will start, and they will lose that game. And <laughs> it'll be really painful because – I would assume this would be the last year you see wild card games and the Phillies would get in one of them. And whenever I, I watch a wild card game, I'm like, man, if you're a fan of a team that's in this game, like you're probably having a heart attack right now, just because you, you played 162 games and it's coming down to one game, but it'll be a lot of fun. I, I do think this offense is going to be a top 10 offense. I'm really encouraged by the fact that 
Dave Dombrowski signed on, signed a few, uh, sorry, he signed a couple pitchers and they have more pitching depth and they're a lot less top heavy. And I just think it'll work their way this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I agree. I think they like, again, you look at last year, the, the lineup was good. The top part of the rotation was awesome. And, and, you know, it, it just came down to that bullpen really that, that cost them a lot of games. I think they probably won. They probably win 32, 33 games at the least if they have a league average bullpen last year, probably more. I don't know. So I agree. I think I see around 88 to 90 wins. Um, I just think it's, it's tough. Uh, I, I like, I guess what's on their side is outside of the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Padres, and you know, whoever wins the, the central, I don't think the central is that strong. Like, are there any other teams that could win that many games? The problem lies in the NL central and it's be, yeah, I, I know that the division is not strong, but those teams are playing a lot more weaker teams. Like the Brewers could sneak in just because well, they have a much easier schedule yeah. than the Phillies. Yeah, I got. I, I don't know. I, I just, I just think it's like if the Mets have a down year, they have a couple injuries, or, or or guys just don't play well. It's like all of a sudden a lot easier for for a team like the Phillies to sneak in. But right now it's just the the Mets and 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 uh, Padres are so dynamic and and they they both look really good and and they're not favored to win their own division so that makes it hard on the Phillies unless who knows we're we're almost a month out from opening day and like last year it was literally the morning of opening day that they decided hey 16 teams are making the playoffs so I mean I think I think this is what it's going to be but I wouldn't be shocked if it was changed Um, they can even change it in the middle of the season they're like guys we can make some more money yeah exactly who knows who knows what could happen? Um, all right. So my last, I had a couple, I was back and forth. My official, my official one here is that Gene Segura is going to be an all-star. Uh, I think we might've mentioned this on, on another pod. So sorry if this is repetitive, but second base is not a super strong position. And Segura was really good at second base last year. And just seeing like how his, his plate approach changed last year, he walked a lot more. Um, and his average was down a little bit, but again, he walked a lot more and, and he got on base more. So continuing that trend and just, um, you know, I don't know where he ends up in the lineup, probably sixth. Uh, but I, I just see a, a big year for him, both at the plate and defensively because of how strong he looked uh, last year. And yeah, so I really, I could, I could, I could give you guys takes all day. Um, but you know, I, I don't think you have time to listen to that all day. So we are going to wrap this up with some rapid questions that destiny set up for us here. So, um, I think the way we're going to do this, what do you think, destiny? I'll ask you the first five and you ask me the, the last five. Sure. All right. So, so these are questions on the spot. We got to answer them. Um, no hesitation. All right. And then we'll wrap things up. So, Destiny, who will finish second in saves for the Phillies? Hector Neris, and I believe Archie Bradley will finish first. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that all splits up. And we talked about this before. A lot of a lot of guys could be featured in the ninth inning. Brogdon could be one of them, Alvarado. So, yeah, I, my official take is Neris. Yeah, I, I think I agree there. Um, he's, I mean, he's closed more games than anyone else on the roster 
the last couple of seasons. So, so he makes sense there, especially assuming Bradley starts the season as the closer. All right. Who leads the team in home runs? Um, I'm going to go with Bryce. Okay. Kind of going back and forth between Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper, but I would say Bryce by like two home runs. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I agree there. Like Harper is definitely the more um, like, I, I just think it's more likely that he hits, he hits more home runs. Um, how many innings? This is a good one. How many innings will Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler pitch combined? 330. So I I know Aaron Nola is a guy that's known to go over 200 innings. This season's just going to be so predictable, unpredictable. Um, I, I wouldn't really trust him to get that far. So I'll give like, I think... I did 180 to Aaron Nola and then 150. I don't even know if that that adds up correctly, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do 400 just because I I don't think those guys are going to go over 200. Yeah, I think my biggest question is going to be is 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 the are, are the workloads going to be managed that they make 30 starts and they're just they're pitching less or it's like all right let's give Aaron Nola, uh, you know he'll, he'll skip a start just to give him some rest and and I, I'm intrigued to see how that works out but I agree I don't think anyone is getting to 200 innings uh, next year no one in baseball I, I mean it's just this is whole thing is kind of unprecedented and you don't want to risk injury especially with with your best pitchers. Um, all right, who will be Agreed. the team's rookie of the year? Connor Brogdon. I I think he'll be a big arm out of the bullpen, and I don't see a lot of other candidates emerging. I know Spencer Howard's there, but I, I just don't think he'll be given the opportunity to really make his mark on this team just because he'll be on that innings limit. Maybe he could be a stud out of the bullpen. I predicted him to have a spot in the bullpen on the opening day roster, but I think that's Brogdon's title to lose. Yeah, I agree. 100 percent uh will joe girardi earn a manager of the year vote i will say no and the manager of the year award's kind of annoying because they <laughs> mostly it seems like it's for the small market managers who come up who kind of surpass expectations and it's kind of unfair to a guy like joe girardi who has this big payroll maybe he could be seen as a guy that you know the phillies aren't favorited everywhere so this could be seen as a surprise if Joe Girardi leads this team to the playoffs and he come, overcomes a, a triumph or a COVID outbreak or whatever. But yeah, yeah that I mean, award's kind of a kind of a joke. But I would say no. Yeah, I mean the thing with the Phillies is I don't see them favored to make the playoffs anywhere. I've seen them behind the Nationals, which by the way makes to me makes zero sense because that team is. Like I know they they got Josh Bell and I know they signed Kyle Schwarber, but that that lineup is still so so top heavy and all of their pitchers are old, and I just do not see it for them. Um, the but yeah, like is kind of overrated. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, like I, I I think there's a chance that there could be a narrative that like all right, you know, Phillies hadn't made the playoffs in nine years, and you know people weren't expecting them. You know, especially like like if they won the division, I think he would maybe win the award but again like you said it's kind of a, a not the best award um, but yeah all right I, yeah i'll ask the questions now so who will dave dombrowski acquire at the trade deadline um let's go big here we're going chris sale it's gonna happen can't wait <laughs> <laughs> i mean he he gave him that contract it's only fitting 
And would you rather? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Who else? Miguel Cabrera? No. I'm oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Nathan, yeah, Nathan Yavaldi. You know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm kind of stealing this idea, but Jim Salisbury mentioned that a guy like Cole Hamels could wait a few months and try to build his arm up and then kind of put himself out for sale for teams that are looking for pitching help in the middle of the season. So you know, why not, yeah. instead of trading prospects, why not sign Cole Hamels? And I think that would be a really interesting story to tell. Um, so that would be, Definitely. yeah, it would be a fun narrative. Um, next question, how many games will Brad Miller start in left field? Left field, I'm going to say 43. I uh, That probably sounds high. Uh, it might even sound a little low because there was points where I was talking about maybe this is a platoon between platoon. Andrew McCutcheon uh, yeah, and Brad uh, Miller, but I really, I really think they're confident about Andrew McCutcheon's ability to uh, – sustain a workload this they year are. and this obviously changes with injury but i i do think they're gonna they're gonna be pretty generous in giving cuts days off just because you know um he looked a little slower last year and i know there's been talk that he looks maybe looks a little bit quicker now but he's still aging and and is is only he's less than two years removed from that injury so i i, I think they they give him days off whenever they they see fit and that i would I would say that more than half of the games that Miller plays are, or the, more than half the games he starts come in at left field. How many games will Andrew McCutcheon start in left field? Uh, I mean, I'm just going to go 162 minus 43. So what's that, 119? <laughs> yeah. I, I, so Adam yeah. Hazley won't get like a spot start. No. Mickey Moniak. Can't, you can't give Adam Hazley a spot start in left field when you have Brad Miller. Come on. Oh, yeah. And if you're I mean, doing Girardi, I, like... Mickey Moniak, if Mickey, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going with these two guys for now, but you might be right. You probably are. Yeah. How many grand slams will Didi Gregorius hit this year? Um, my head says zero, but I mean, that's the most boring answer of all time. So I'll say two, <laughs> two grand slams. I'll say one. Okay. He's a guy that, for some reason, hits a lot of grand slams. I mean, he also, like. It, there's, he, there's a lot of guys, like if he's hitting six, there's going to be guys on base. Yeah. So well, it makes yeah. sense. Are we sure? Is he, or if he's hitting fifth. I don't, I, I can't, I can't figure it out in my head. I don't think, I think it should be Hoskins, Harper, Bohm, Gregorius, Real Muto, and McCutcheon six, but I think McCutcheon probably leads off. Yeah, you're probably right, but I don't think Joe Girardi will hit Hoskins first. Yeah. Nap lead off? It's been done before. Yeah. Last question: How many innings will Spencer Howard throw uh, at the major league level? Because you know yeah. he could be a Triple A. I'll say, uh, I'll say fifty, and that's mostly out of the bullpen, a spot start here or there, but not like I agree with you. I don't think it's gonna. We're gonna see too much of significance from him just because I think their their biggest priority is keeping him healthy, uh, and and you know it'll be a twenty twenty or twenty twenty two. 2023 thing where we actually see him making a, a, a significant impact on this team. I was going to say 75. Maybe that's wow. a little high. And then I was also thinking maybe a hundred, but, and then I was, Oh, that's, that's really high. Um, uh, you, you could be right. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Cause he only threw 26 innings last year, which is, you know, 
I mean, obviously, like who knows what he what the what it looked like at the alternate site. I don't think we can really take the the twenty six and say that's all he threw. But yeah, and then before the alternate site, right. he was throwing in his downtime, and then spring training. Yeah. You have to take all that into account. Yeah, it was such a weird year. Everything. I mean, like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm interested to see the impact that last year had on this year for for players, but. Um, yeah, that will actually do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I know we covered a lot here. Um, Destiny, thanks again for coming on. It's always great to have you on. I uh, hope to have you on at least once more before the season starts. And that's only, what, four weeks away from four weeks from tomorrow? Four weeks from Thursday? Yeah. Which is math. I don't I know. Mean, that's that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Baseball's back. Yeah. I'm so excited for there to be fans in the yeah. stands. Like 8,000 is a good like compromise between yeah. what's safe and um what's fun that's yeah. just my opinion i know yeah. other people have other opinions but i'm so excited to see fans back in the stand i know this east fans really deserve to cheer on this team because i really do think you know they might not make the playoffs but they're going to be fun to root for and it, it's really nice to kind of see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the tunnel yeah yeah baseball's back it was 60 degrees today. Let's go. Thanks to everyone. Thanks.